Hello and welcome back to the Now We Know Show, the show where we discuss a topic of interest and by the end we will have learned something new and hopefully you will too. I'm Zach. And I'm Buzz. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Artemis 1 space mission. Oh, that sounds interesting. It certainly is. If you enjoy the Now We Know Show podcast, why not support Zach World Productions on our Patreon page? Become an official ZWP patron for as little as £1 a month for exclusive early access to all our latest episodes, videos, behind the scenes, updates and more. So before we get into the discussion about uh, Artemis 1, I think, Zach, you've got a new... Segment. Segment. Yes, we're going to be introducing a new segment to the Now We Know Show podcast. Huzzah! And that is... The Word of the Week. Word of the Week, yes. Mm. We should have a jingle for that. Word of the Week. 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 Anyway, <laughs> so the Word of the Week is all about forgotten English words that we hardly use anymore. Right, sounds interesting. Now, all you have to do is write down what you think it means in the comments. We will then reveal what it means at the end of the episode so you can find out if you got it right. I don't even know which word you're going to be saying. So <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to have a go at this myself. So... Word of the week. Superannuate. Superannuate. That's S-U-P-E-R-A-N-N-U-A-T-E. Superannuate. So please comment below what you think that means in the comments, and we'll tell you at the end of this episode. Oh, you are going to tell us. Yes. Oh, excellent. Right. So, anyway, while everybody rushes to Google to find out what that is... Don't do that. We yeah. know if you're doing that. No Googling. Let's talk about the Artemis space mission. Now, so Buzz, you are very interested when it comes to space and I all am. things space related. I am. And if we throw ourselves back a few months now, I think it is, we did an episode on Mars. Yep. And if you go back even further, we did the Apollo missions. We did. What was interesting though is when we did the Mars mission one, mm -hmm. I had no idea, I hadn't heard of the Artemis 1 space mission. Neither have I. I mean, I don't know if that's a reflection on uh, our news broadcasters, media in the UK, but I was actually, yeah, my mind was blown when suddenly up it came on the news that they were launching this whole new uh, space, space program, space program, this space rocket uh, that uh, was called Artemis One, and um, it's like. Wow, where did this suddenly, where did this suddenly pop up from? Now, I'm usually, as you say, pretty hot to trot on keeping an eye on these things. Mm. Uh, in England, we have a show called Sky at Night, which I like to watch. And I you know, keep, keep I try and keep my finger on the pulse, if you like. Mm -hmm. But don't ask me how, but this kind of slipped the net. And so suddenly we were thrown into a whole new space mission, which was, oh man, it kind of like, it, it, when I found out about it, 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 it psyched me. I mean, I thought this was amazing. And uh, it was really, really relatable to our Mars episode that we did on on how man would get to Mars. Yeah. Uh, and so when this came up, and in fact, we had uh, then prepared to do a live broadcast. That was we? the case, because this was going to be launching... It was actually going to be launching, I believe, on the 3rd of September, 2022. Yeah, that's it. I remember. I remember it. And, and it was like, 
quick, scramble, scramble. Scramble, let's do a podcast on it. <laughs> yeah, and we got all the kits set up, ready yep. for a live broadcast to watch the countdown mm-hmm. and to see Artemis 1 take off. And unfortunately, they had to cancel because there was a hydrogen leak in, oh. in the engine. Um, and uh, and so... It got it delayed. Got, I think it got delayed, I think, about a week. Mm. Uh, they were going to go for a second launch, but I think weather conditions... Again, it got delayed. Yeah, there was issues, so it got delayed. And then that was it. We didn't hear anything about it. And then, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Mm. Trootling along, not hearing anything on the media about anything. And that was the thing. I thought it was being delayed until next year. Well, that's that's the thing. You'd think that such... Well, I consider it a very important event in, in human history. Such a, you know, a, a, an important step forward with, you know, mankind actually going back to the moon. You know, yeah. this is like crazy stuff because it's not just going... This is why I say I was psyched about it because, you know, it wasn't just about Artemis 1 going and taking humans back to the moon, mm. but also setting up a permanent moon base. Mm, that's having crazy. A, having an orbiting station around the moon yeah and ultimately again going back to our mars podcast it's going to be the stepping stone the launch pad for future missions to mars which could well be happening uh in in the 2030s yeah that would be really exciting to see it is so you know to suddenly have this it is like wow this is amazing and then this week Mm -hmm. (laughs) i I woke up in the morning on the on the sixteenth of November and um, made a cup of coffee, turned the news on, and it's already launched. What? <laughs> when did that happen? What did it happen? Thank you, British media and and news broadcasters. <laughs> you literally, I don't know how that's again slipped through the net. I mean, for, for me, this is really big stuff, and it's like it's like landmark history right there. And and they're not talking about it, and so you know, it was like. Right, quick, get on. Scramble, scramble, get scramble. Get onto the uh, NASA live uh, video broadcast to, to see what's going on. At that point, uh, um, I think uh, it had already gone through Earth's, or, uh, Earth's atmosphere, out into space, and, and done its first sep- uh, separations of, of the SLS, uh, which is the Space Launch System. Um, and Orion, the module itself, on its way. And it's, on its way to the moon. On its way to the moon. So, wow, how did this all, all, all uh, you know, happen without us knowing? Um, yeah, and, and as I say, and then this week, um, we're broadcasting now, uh, literally just after, it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, the um, Orion module reached the moon mm-hmm. and then did a slingshot around the moon and put it into a retro... Grade uh, orbit. Retrograde orbit, which um, basically means that if you can imagine, the moon is obviously um, uh, orbiting the Earth, yep. and that's going in one direction, mm-hmm. and the retrograde orbit means that Orion is going away from the moon and then coming yeah, back. Isn't it kind again. of going in like a, a big oval? It's a big elliptical orbit. And again, this is this is fantastic because although the Orion module at the moment is unmanned. I believe there's a mannequin in it. Yeah, I think they're doing some tests to see how that would actually affect the human yeah, oh yeah, body. It's, it's got so much science on board. Oh, yeah, it's really good. Um, but, you know, again, a mind-blowing thing um, is that the module itself, Orion, uh, is going out further than humankind. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think As, they had a it, when brief it, stint on the news about yeah, it. It was like it, the when furthest it's, out. When it's a manned mission, when they've got I mean, humans on board... That it will be traveling out 
further away from the Earth than humans have ever travelled into space. Wow. And that is like mind-blowing. That's crazy. Or, as I believe I should be saying these days, being down with the kids, I'm really gassed about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a celebrity reference right there. <laughs> so, this mission, is that just like the first step? Uh, yeah, it's the, step first, one? it's the first step. And, and that's, again, briefly, that's why I can't believe that the media isn't covering it. You know, because when I suddenly discovered, um, I thought I'd check in, you know, I've been checking in on a daily basis because, you know, you've got the launch, that's all exciting, you know, that's rocking and you see that that has all gone off perfectly to plan. Thank goodness. You know, People uh, in ground control just suddenly <laughs> wipe their brow of sweat. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is that the, the, the whole mission, uh, the uh, rocket and the module have got a, a total of 24 cameras on board. Uh, and that was separated eight on the um, Space Launch System rockets. Mm-hmm. And then you've got 16 that are on Orion, inside and outside. Four, I believe, on the solar arrays. And so we're getting, you know, really good quality image, video and imagery coming in from the whole mission at the moment. Um, But you kind of had this period from when uh, the uh, Orion module separated from the the main booster rocket that then it's traveling to the moon. So for a certain period of time, you're just seeing images from the solar array of of the moon in the far distance. Mm. Unless you want to sit there for hours. Gradually, gradually getting closer, closer over a few closer, days. Closer. Over a few days, and um, uh, but that that that's something, you know. And, and and so you've got a period of time where I've been kind of like dropping in and seeing what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, as I say, I dropped in on it, and boom, yeah, there, there's the Orion module. Literally, I think it was traveling about six hundred miles per second towards the moon, and and. and you could it's just just my blade to be able to see the images off this solar array mm-hmm. of of the module as it's approaching the moon and the moon's getting bigger and then as it swung around the moon to slingshot off yeah and then you get the image of of our little blue planet now i remember seeing that on the tv screen and that was just like yeah well that's that was mad well that's because i um well i was on the uh nasa live channel oh and, right and, okay. I, and i'd basically uh beamed that up onto the telly mm. But that's not the news. <laughs> that wasn't on the news. What I mean by that's not the news. That wasn't, you weren't watching it on the news channel because mm. it wasn't on the news channels. You know, That's crazy. It's crazy. It's not on the Such news. a landmark I mean, what, event. What, what are the British news channels doing? In fact, today, so all this is happening yesterday and uh, you're seeing these fantastic images. I mean, as the module swung around the back of the moon uh, onto what people mistakenly call the dark side of the moon, it's not dark at all, mm. because obviously the sun shines on it, but the, uh, a more correct term would be the far side of the moon. And as the module's coming around, slowly the Earth is... Coming into view. Coming, well, it's in view, and then it's disappearing behind the edge of the moon. Right. So it's like Earth set, rather than... Uh, moon. Moon, <laughs> yeah, the moon setting Sunrise, or sunset. Yeah. It, the Earth is setting behind the moon. And at that That's point, weird I think to think about. A, I think there was a six-minute window where they uh, lost transmission, because... The moon blocks transmission from the module mm-hmm. until it pops out the other side. And it was like these images and the video images were just fantastic, yet nothing on the news. How many? How, okay. Nothing on the news. I remember we um, saw a brief, a brief stint, didn't we, earlier today? Yeah, well, that was what I was going to bring up. Right. I, I, you know, 
I came down at this because I've been monitoring the news channels just to see uh, if they're going to throw up more information, you know, that NASA might have put out there and mm. you know, get some quality images, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And suddenly it said, "Oh, the Artemis One mission has reached the well, moon." That was it. I sent you several messages. Artemis is on the news. Artemis is on the news. Yeah, and it lasted twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. Twenty second article before they went on to something else. Oh, or do you mean when they went, went on to back to football? Football. Yes. How much do they need to report on football? We like in a half an hour news broadcast, mid you know lunchtime, big chunk. But this is I, I tend to watch the news at lunchtime, and and like. Literally 20 minutes of that half-hour slot. All about the World Cup. World Cup. I mean, so it's more important that people, you know, okay, if you like football, that's great, but it's more important that people talk about, you know, loads of different millionaires kicking a ball about on the field (laughs) rather than this groundbreaking science that is is happening right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's it's gonna it's it's, these are the these are the steps that kind of almost puts the human psyche into perspective. Well what what really is that important? Because then you then bounce to the images of Artemis looking looking down on that really tiny speck in the vastness of nothing. Yeah in the void. Yeah. And that we're all on that little speck. Everything is on that little speck. All our problems, all, all the world's problems. And the most important thing, football. football. <laughs> Which I'm sure to some people it is the most important thing. Oh, fandom. Fandom is a great thing. Yeah, fandom. Well, uh, maybe we should get a football fan in to tell us about that on our... Oh, I think we uh, might on know one fan, of those. On our super fans. One or two of those. Um, so anyway, <laughs> we, we diversify. But yeah, so uh, the Artemis mission is taking mankind back to the moon. Fantastic. And this, in, and this initial... Uh, launch is to test all the um, uh, systems. systems. Make on. sure everything this is, runs this, cleanly. This is on the uh, the Orion module is the module that's going to get astronauts from Earth to the station that will be orbiting the moon when that's right. in place. Okay. So this this is the life support system that they're testing. This is the making sure that everything works as it should do. So there's going to be a station around the moon yeah a so permanent a permanent fixture a permanent almost. station that uh, is called gateway station uh, i like right. that <laughs> i like that because for me that throws me straight back to um, uh, the film aliens maybe we should do a fandom podcast yeah. on aliens i mean when i heard that you know it's all like it's like yes because uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's this is crazy times we're in it's whether or not they did that intentionally as a reference or not i don't know but <laughs> in aliens uh when ripley wakes up it's like oh where am i i don't recognize this place oh this is gateway station <laughs> so the this orbiting station around the moon is going to be or it is called gateway even though it's not there at the moment so they need to get the um uh, the Orion capsule with the astronauts in to the station. To the station, but the station's not there at the moment. So what they're doing is with this initial mission is to test the um, flight capabilities, make sure all the safety systems work on uh, both the space launch system mm-hmm. as well as the Orion module. Right. And obviously that's got to get into that retrograde elliptical orbit and then slingshot itself back to the Earth and test the heat shields for the actual re-entry. re-entry for the astronauts. And if everything goes to plan, then the next stage will be to go to manned missions. So then they need to send up other missions that are going to take payloads, which will probably robotically position and put together, because it's modular, the initial beginnings of the gateway station. Mm. 
But going back to the uh, Orion module, because um, this is fascinating science. I mean, this, this science is now... It's groundbreaking. Uh, it, it, it's beyond the Apollo missions, you know. Um, it's all, um, um, I believe that uh, one of the engines that is actually in the Orion module, um, that it's, uh, it's actually been used before. Oh, is it one of those ones that relands? Uh, no, I, I believe that it was. It's been used in the um, uh, space shuttle program. Oh, okay. Uh, and they basically uh, rejigged it for this mission. Uh, I'm going to look into that information, you know, and come back on that on another occasion because I literally only just found out about that. Um, but that's great to see that they're using science that's already been tested mm. again and again. Yeah, re- and it's great reusable. that they can reuse them. Well, that's the thing. It's We've gotten to a stage where we, with the systems that we can use and it, it, impl- it, you know, basically use in order to get humans off planet and into space, it's becoming reusable. Mm. You know, we've now seen that makes it kind of almost more accessible. Almost. It is, and it brings the cost down. Yeah, I can see that. But there's a there's again, people are going to complain. You know, why are we sending rockets into space and doing a mission like this, um, opposed to uh, feeding? or solving the problems on the planet as are. But it is part of solving those problems. And even uh, technology from the Apollo um, missions, you know, pushed technology forward for the benefit of everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if you look into the figures, the amount of money that's being spent on Orion uh, and the whole Artemis One mission is, is nothing like the Apollo missions. They, they, NASA do not get a very big uh, handout from, from the uh, United States government anymore. And a huge part of the whole Artemis project is to get uh, other companies on board, people like Elon Musk right, okay. you know, with SpaceX, I'm sure they the have... European Space Agency, yeah, everybody working lots together. Lots of international cooperation and stuff. Loads, you know. So going back to the Orion module itself, yeah, we've been getting these images come through, but the fascinating thing is these cameras that are on the solar array, mm-hmm. that's another striking difference between the Apollo series uh, and the Artemis One mission because the space modules that went to the moon all had power cells to keep them going. Right. They had to carry their own power cells with them, mm-hmm. whereas Orion is powered from solar panels well, that's because they didn't have that technology. Back in the day back in the day to run run the module so it doesn't have any power cells in the same vein as as the apollo uh, missions it, it's got these and, and that was the thing after uh, the actual launch system had uh, separated from the orion module then that was the first thing that occurred was the solar array was unfolded Right. So you could actually see that with the cameras. Oh wow, that's really cool to get that the the solar array out, and because it's got four cameras on the solar array, that's why we're getting these absolutely wonderful images coming in. That's fantastic. So I think I think you've covered a few of the points that I've actually got some questions written down. Oh, you for. already had some questions. <laughs> yeah, I already have some I'm questions. Getting, I'm getting a bit excited. I have some questions. I'm getting excited and a bit carried away. You've covered a few of these so okay. far. Uh, forgive me for being so excited about. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I'm excited too. Yeah. First up. How long is the Artemis mission? So the Artemis One's journey and the journey of the Orion capsule okay. uh, will take it 450,000 kilometres to the moon, uh, where it will then orbit 
at 400 kilometers above the lunar surface before continuing approximately 64,373 kilometers beyond into deep space, as I mentioned before. Ooh. The furthest out that, well, Ever. not the furthest out that we've sent anything before, yeah. obviously, um, but that's the furthest out humans where humans will, will be, be going. Exactly. Fingers crossed. And that's, that's quite scary because you're talking about into deep space. Ooh. And when we saw those images yesterday of of the planet, yeah, away, uh, the moon is you know suddenly looking huge, and the planet Earth is is tiny, and you suddenly and you you think you're in this little capsule, <laughs> in this in this void. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, that word deep space suddenly becomes like really like scary. jumping into the ocean where you can't see the floor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so so as I say, sorry, I'm I'm uh, getting sidetracked there, but. Uh, after the mission length of, as I say, of about 25 and a half days, the module will splash down in the Pacific Ocean near to California, I believe, on the 11th of December. Oh, okay. If everything okay, goes. that's that. Okay. And so okay. far, everything's going to plan, so there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Splashing Hopefully, down. there won't be any aliens on board. <laughs> <laughs> what is the purpose of the Artemis mission? Well, I've briefly kind of outlined that, haven't I? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of experiments that are going on. I'm not up to speed with all the different experiments that are on board or going to be. Uh, tested on board but the main body of it is to take astronauts back to the moon mm -hmm. but also have a permanent lunar base so we were talking about them docking with uh, what will be the gateway station so you've got the orion capsule and that is the if you like the earth to gateway and from gateway back to the earth transportation but there will be a lunar lander which will also be docked onto the station onto the station the gateway station and that lunar lander is what takes the astronauts to, to the, the lunar surface. surface and back to the gateway station again right that's that's job and i believe that's being developed by uh, spacex right so spacex have got the lunar lander and the actual place which is very interesting, the place where it's already earmarked for the base to be put. That's is, good. Uh, around the, uh, the South Pole region of the moon. Huh. Uh, for, because there's a lot of frozen ice there. And that can be used. It, it, for, for both oxygen, for water, and for f fuel as well. So you've got all the potential you need there to supply uh, a manned station. Okay, I think this leads me into my next question. Okay. Why do you think we should go back to the moon? Ah, right. Well, obviously, all of everything I'm saying, I'm saying from an excited layman's point of view. <laughs> okay, from somebody who's always been excited about space, about uh, both the reality of uh, astronomy and understanding the universe about us, as well as loving the idea of science fiction. And you know, when I was a kid, you know, in the early seventies. To think that we actually, in my lifetime, I mean, obviously we'd already been to the moon uh, in the 60s, landed on the moon, but to actually have a space, a, a space station revolving, you know, orbiting around the moon and having a lunar base, that's science fiction. Yeah, but, that's but, mad. But this is becoming science fact now. And your question of, you know, why should we do it? Mm -hmm. Not only is it important, I believe, for the future advancement of the human race, but uh, and all the technology that goes along 
we're, as we develop things, we develop things that are going to help us on planet Earth. But we have to look to the future. Um, when it comes to things like go, global warming, where they recently had the latest uh, COP... Um, 27. COP27, where all the leaders of the nations, leaders came together to discuss and to try and find ways of keeping the global temperature to not rise above 1.5 centigrade mm. globally, um, because if it goes up to 3 centigrade... We're buggered. We, <laughs> that's a very, very British way of putting it. But yes, uh, we've got big problems. Um, and the so we, we've got this global crisis of trying to um, slow down global warming. Mm-hmm. But that's probably more the reality of it, to slow down, because I'm not going to get into the politics of this um, there's better people to ask these questions to, but it's quite obvious that there are some very large industrialized nations on the planet, India, China, Russia, Russia uh, even the USA, um, you know, that are adding so much carbon dioxide. But that was the thing, going into the COP27 thing, yep. most of, well, some of those, yep. namely Russia and China, I don't mm-hmm. think they actually attended. Yeah, well... Yeah, we've got issues with with Russia at the moment, anyway, and uh, relations with China is always, you know, a bit topsy turvy. A bit topsy turvy on the knife edge. Um, yet they would argue, you know, certain countries. Yeah, you know, I mean, India has massive reliance on coal. Yeah, and building more uh, power stations, I believe, and just everyday people use coal to. Whether it's healthy, it's not particularly healthy. I wouldn't want to cook cook me dinner over coal, but you know they literally scavenge coal, and coal is everything. Coal is life, and a lot of these countries argue that the West already had its industrial revolution, revolution, and that they should have their chance to do that and bring themselves and their economies up in order to improve everybody's standard of living. I suppose it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? And then places like uh, Africa, who actually don't really add very much on the global uh, pollution scales, but mm. they're suffering so much right. from everybody else's. And that's where they were having that discussion about um, damage limitation and how more wealthier countries should be helping to uh, pay to help uh, less fortunate countries to uh, you know develop faster to uh, help them when they're dealing with um, like these Pacific nations where they're island nations and because of ocean level rises they're starting to lose their land you know literally facing the fact that whole islands and countries are going to go underwater that's crazy to think about Um, so you might say well okay I've now gone off onto global warming yeah it's a bit of a tangent (laughs) But it is connected to the Artemis mission, because in the long run, if we're going to both tackle global warming and the global increasing global population, uh, because that's another... Got to go somewhere. <laughs> Got to go somewhere. The global population at the moment stands around, I believe, about 8 billion. Yes. And that crazy. has rapidly rocketed upwards. Well, so, just think, if 8 billion people had a kid... That's then eight six. Bi- do you say eight billion people? Yeah. If, if for instance, if every yeah. single yeah. Anyway, if eight uh, billion people had a kid, you'd have sixteen million people. Exactly. Well, obviously, people die, 
as well. So you've got this, but if you look at the uh, explosion in uh, population across the world, mm. and yes, there are variations people um, will throw into the mix, you know, other, you know, certain places have gone down in fertility and other places and this, and they, and they argue lots of different factors, but if you just go back to the 1920s and look at the world population then, and you go back to, say, the mid-1800s, the world population then, the the population of the world is spiking and rapidly up mm. to a an estimated of when we hit around 2050, around 9.5 to 10 billion people. Crazy. Now, this is a problem because we're, you're going to be combining the issues that revolve around global warming, ergo uh, rising sea levels, uh, erratic weather conditions, so we get mass floods like in India, other places that have got you know, droughts lasting for years like Ethiopia, uh, I think um, uh, Somalia is, is having those issues. Uh, even in the UK, yeah, we we had the hottest summer we've ever had. Yeah, on and record. No, it's just started to come into winter, and it's kind of weather's really fluctuating. Uh, well, it's fluctuating, but yeah, we've had record temperatures into the autumn so far. Mm. But we've never had. We should be having heavy frosts. It's like um, the hottest November we've ever yeah, had. Uh, and of course, that affects uh, ecosystems and it affects farming, and that means farming feeds people. And, you know, and that becomes even more strained. So more and more people require more and more foodstuffs. More and more land is disappearing. More uh, land has to be given over to uh, population because people need to live mm. somewhere. Uh, people need, you know, you need more arable farming. And that's why a lot of technology is going into all these different types of farming. Why am, I, why am I thinking of a reference from the Avengers right now? I'm thinking of Thanos <laughs> and his statement that resources in the universe are finite. Yeah, well, that's the problem. On the planet Earth, resources are finite. Mm. <laughs> You've only got so much, and, and the more population that you put in there... The more that's taken. The more it's taken up. Now, people will argue that. They'll argue the fact that uh, you can populate the Earth with, say, a trillion people, right. so, which obviously is vastly more than, saying 10 billion people. But... That's where you've literally number crunched the figures of resources and people and said, well, if everybody has... But that living standards can just go straight down, isn't yeah. it? So if you've got people living in little pod and you're having your protein pills just to keep you alive and your water ration and stuff like this, at the ex that's like at the extreme calculations. But we, don't, we can't look at the extreme. We've got to look at what's comfortable, hmm. what's realistic. And so when you've got a population of, say, 10 billion and you've got people, quite rightly so, that are in impoverished third world countries looking to you know, rich countries like the UK, Europe, America, Russia, you know, they're looking at places where uh, people have a much higher standard of living. If you take, say, like the average person who lives in a first world country who can literally turn the tap on to get fresh water out of a tap, mm -hmm. has a roof over their head, has a television, lives comfortably. You can see how people who haven't got that should say, well, I, I want to have living my living standard. I don't want to live, live in a squalor. I, I, I should be able to have that living standard. Yeah. Now, if you bring everybody on the planet up to that 
living standard, yep. you're consuming a huge amount of resources to do that mm-hmm. to a point where the people that have got that average level of living, you're going to turn around to them and say, well, actually, in order to, to, to balance this out, we're going to have to drop your standard of living down. Right. So, so you have real problems on the horizon and I'm only scratching the surface of this. Yeah, well, this is really interesting because this was all prompted by one singular question. Right, okay. <laughs> so, so why is it worth going into space? Um, and I've mentioned in the, I think I mentioned in the Mars uh, podcast that I, I obviously mentioned SpaceX, but you also have like Jeff Bezos with the Blue Origin yeah. um, program. They want to get industry off planet. Right, so it's it's a matter of resources. It's a matter of resources because if you can get the, the, the our, our solar system is just full of resources. Yeah, it's just getting there. And <laughs> it's getting full of water, full of precious metals, full of full of just just you, you know your standard you know ore that you would need for for heavy industry, hmm. gases. You know, yeah, and if, if we can get that off planet, that's basically if you can take yeah. everything off planet and turn the Earth into this this uh, nature reserve. Yeah, this paradise that it should be. Because the problem is, is if you have a forest that can support an ecosystem, and say you've got, I don't know, uh, say you've got your your top predator uh, is uh, a tiger, and it needs, I don't know. I don't know the figures on this, but let's just say it needs uh, 600 square kilometers of forest to support one tiger. Yeah. If you keep chucking tigers in there, they're going to eat the resources, and, and they're going to starve. And they're going to starve. There's no, there's no, there's no food for them. You see, and and that's what we need to do for the human race. We need to get to this position where if everybody is going to live in a utopia, where if everybody is going to uh, live that sort of Star Trek lifestyle of, you know, we we can all have a good quality of life, yeah. Okay. That we need to to look forwards, right? And curing I, yeah. the problems on the planet, Art- missions like Artemis One are our first step in that future. Right. Again, I think we've kind of touched on my next question. Okay. If successful, what would it mean for the future of the human race? Well, this is it. I'm sure along the way there will be a lot of technology which will be developed, developed and um, honed, and uh, you know, so that that the humans can benefit from that. But also, you know, people do say, "Oh, yeah, because this is going to have uh, the situation where the richer they're going to they're be able to go live in paradise." Well, everyone always likes to make that, that <laughs> yes, assumption, yeah. and uh, and leave all the all all, all the. There's one um, film film related, uh, the film Elysium. Yeah, that's very I, much. I think again we mentioned that that's before. The case. But they, these are kind of dystopian science fiction ideas. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure that we're a long way from anything like that. And hopefully, hopefully, I would like to see. Um, you know, in, in Elysium, I believe that the rich lived in a. Uh, wasn't that like in a? It was like an orbital ring an around orbital the planet. Ring around, the, around the planet, um, while the planet itself was just messed up. Messed up. However, if you look at it uh, sort of further back, and you say, "Well, okay, um, you want to go on holiday to Spain, 
it used to cost a huge well actually the price has gone up since covid <laughs> but there was a time when families would in the uk a family holiday would be going off to skegness for a week woohoo or bognor regis Ray, brighton and then package holidays became cheap and people could then fly off to spain and i kind of like the reason i say that is i'd like to see that happen with these kind of missions, that in, it's not just the super rich that can go, that the transportation It's increasing that accessibility, isn't it? The accessibility, the ability to get off-world becomes cheap, becomes easy. People can then... You wouldn't have thought, you know, before you, you were born, um, there was... Obviously, I grew up in a time where we didn't have internet. We didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have Sky TV streaming services anything like that at all <laughs> i mean you didn't even have usb sticks no not usb sticks gotta <laughs> love a usb stick but what i'm saying is as that technology developed huge huge amounts of jobs have been created yeah. that people now have jobs working in it that was something that never existed you know it wasn't it, it didn't exist. So you're going to be producing jobs for people that we can't guess at what they will be at the moment. So in the grand scheme, would you say that these missions are the starting point of kind of almost creating this kind of longevity for the human race, kind of allowing us to kind of survive longer? Well, okay. <laughs> if, if we really throw things forwards, um, you know, we talk about the finite resources of the planet. Uh, yeah, uh, as a species that uh, are slowly chewing our chewing our, chewing our way through them, um, but even the planet is finite. And I mean, we're talking to the point where the sun will eventually consume us and consume oh. the solar system. And oh dear, well, it's gonna it will happen <laughs> but eventually. I think that's a few billion years from now. But the potential's there. Okay, we may still be around by then. <laughs> the potential's there, but. The point is, just like those first uh, explorers that travelled from um, you know, Scandinavia and yeah. discovered Iceland mm. and then went to the, North, the Americas, called it Vinland, you know, those Polynesian Indians that uh, uh, managed to get across the Pacific and move around, island hopping, yeah? Yeah. We're kind of like taking those baby steps to do the same. The grand scheme on an of, interplanetary scale. <laughs> on the grand scheme of things, well, interplanetary, we're obviously in our own solar system. Mars is our nearest neighbour. That's where we're headed, hopefully. Mars could be colonised um, to a degree. I don't know if we. I don't know the reality of terraforming Mars. But well, if you want to find out about that, go and listen to yeah. our podcast on, on the Mars. subject. But there are other moons around other planets in the solar system that could be well that just takes me back to i think it was the sci-fi series expanse didn't yeah. they have like a moon around jupiter or something yeah, yeah there's lots of moons around jupiter but uh i wasn't um io was that IO. Not, was that not featured in uh, that movie um outland oh wow That's, yeah, just yeah. Pull, pull it out of my head sean connery outland. yes very good actually uh, one for fans of blade runner yeah it was really good uh, that's a that's a mining colony. So yeah, these kind of this, this kind of move forward for the human race to expand outwards. Um, why not? Okay, I think we briefly covered this earlier. How has technology changed since the Apollo missions? Oh, 
it's it's uh, chalk and cheese. It, yeah, it's chalk and cheese. I mean, you've, you've, you're standing in front of me with your questions list <laughs> on your phone. Yeah, uh, and that phone costs you probably two hundred pounds. Almost. Almost two hundred pounds. I'm not rich. <laughs> I'm not rich. Uh, it's a very good phone actually uh, for that price. I uh, highly recommend it. Um, we're not selling them, don't worry. Um, <laughs> but the point is, you've got. a device in your hand that's got more tech in it mm. than the whole of the Apollo program. So is it kind of like a, like the difference between a stone and a computer or something? I don't, I don't know. You, I think you're probably thinking of abacus Fair as enough. a counting machine right. and then having a Analogue and digital. Yes, and, and <laughs> we are, I don't know what the future holds, but you know, we are going um, technology-wise... <sighs> You know, just 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 seeing the technology that's being implemented in the Artemis One uh, mission is uh, is like something we've never seen before. I, I can't wait to see what the the spacesuits are going to be like for the for the astronauts. Very sci-fi, I imagine. Well, you've already seen the ones that uh, they've been using, like on the uh, Jeff Bezos um, missions, where they've been sending pe- uh, tourists, space tourism up. And, yep, uh, they've got their. Good, good old William Shatner. Yeah, well, actually, uh, uh, the the actual SpaceX ones. Yeah, because obviously SpaceX they've sent astronauts up. They've been using SpaceX to take cargo and astronauts to the International Space Station, and they 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 are totally different, slimmed down, very sci-fi compared to the old-fashioned Apollo. Almost two thousand one, a space odyssey. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, that's the thing. So what we're looking at next uh, is once we get the Orion module back and all the um, data has been collated. collated and chonked through, then what they really need to be doing is to start sending up uh, unmanned missions to deposit all the necessary infrastructure at that moon base area on the south pole of the moon. Yeah. As well as get that gateway station. Well, I think we said a similar thing about Mars. There would be a case of we'd send loads of unmanned missions to kind of deposit, yeah, deposit all of the like bits and bobs that need to be put yeah, together. Yeah, but that's exactly it, Zach. That's exactly it. This, this is the jumping off point for Mars. So everything that you will need to do on Mars... Will go via the moon. ...will be tested on the moon. Right. So although we might be looking at the late 2030s, for the first manned missions to Mars, what an absolutely exciting time we are living in right now to actually say that we're going to see in our lifetime, see a moon base, which if they're going to call the gateway station the gateway station, they've got to call the moon base, moon base alpha. Oh it's yeah, be, that's a good reference. I'm, I'm going to use that anyway. <laughs> it's going to be called moon base alpha. But to have that tech uh, landed on the moon and for to see how they deploy it yeah as well as the gateway station that we've mentioned about the orion module linking up to that's modular so the gateway station will grow that in itself will get bigger you know so you will have perhaps have although it would be a transit station for astronauts going to the gateway station to the moon other ones coming from the moon back to gateway station and coming back to earth uh, there might be a quite a, a, a manned presence on the gateway station. Yeah, as well. and when it's all everything's all in place and it's can almost start running like clockwork. Yep. 
I mean, you, can you think of this? Just imagine the science they're going to be doing. Fancy you know, a bus to, ride to the moon? <laughs> to be to be be able to have first-hand experience of using the resources on the moon to tap into the water supply on the moon and to produce the oxygen required. Uh, again, we discussed that uh, in, in the Mars one. But we're literally, you, you know, it's in the near future. Yeah, it's going to happen. When we did the Mars episode, we were speculating. Yeah. It's happening. That's great. It's like crazy. It's crazy. Okay, last question. Last question. How are they going to get the equipment to set up the base on the moon? Right. Well, I've kind of touched upon that, but that's where your independent commercial space agencies, space companies are going to come in, like SpaceX, because they're going to be able to take their tech mm-hmm. to ferry the the required equipment to the moon. Uh, and, of course, their current rockets are reusable. Yeah, so we are going to be seeing things going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards quite regularly to get that uh, infrastructure there. Um, so I think that's the thing we, we are, we're talking about commercial space travel. Yeah. It's a combination of, it's not just a government led project funding NASA, but it's commercial space flight along with other space agencies like the European, European Space Agency. Yeah, because that's uh, it. We've, we've recently got a spaceport in Cornwall, haven't we? You are right. In fact, I think there's four different space... Officially, I think there's about four spaceports around the UK, but last week, I believe, in the UK, the Cornwall spaceport was given its actual operating licence. Yep. So it can now... Start launching, launching rockets satellites. and stuff to space. Yeah, the way that they're going to be doing it from the uh, Cornwall spaceport. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, when would you have been spaceport thi- Cornwall? Spaceport Cornwall. When would you have been thinking that uh, you know, good old Blighty would have spaceports with with launches going off into into space? But uh, yeah, they're using a system where the actual rocket itself is attached underneath. Uh, I think it's a Virgin. Atlantic. Oh yeah, I think I saw a brief um, thing on the news about that. Yeah, jumbo jet. Mm. So that will take it up to a certain altitude, drop the rocket, drop it, and then then pfft. that uses its booster rocket to get into orbit, deposit the satellites, come back, and then come back again. You see, but it's crazy. We have a spaceport, an operational spaceport with a license to start in the UK. In the UK. <laughs> I mean, the times we live in—it's just absolute crazy. Sci-fi is reality. Reality. Well, thank you, Buzz, for answering my few questions on the Artemis mission. You're obviously very passionate passionate. about space. I say I I am not a scientist. I am a layman, but laymen are allowed to be enthusiastic about these things. Mm. Now, fingers crossed for the Artemis mission. Well, it's still ongoing. Yep. It's up there. The Orion module is doing what it's meant to be doing. Find out. It'll be back. I can't wait to see the re-entry when it comes back on the 11th of December. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic to see. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, we'll be Cardesa. We'll be covering uh, this whole series of you know, missions. Missions, man, going back to the moon. You know, we're going to be covering that in future episodes, I'm sure. So hopefully, I've given you and the listeners a kind of a up to date look at what's happening with the Artemis One mission, especially. If you're trying to watch it on any of the UK media that aren't covering it. Where's the coverage? What are you doing, guys? Thankfully, thankfully, for all you 
space people out there. You've got the Now We Know Show. You've got the Now We Know Show podcast. That's right. Stay tuned. Listen to our upcoming episodes. Anyway, we haven't quite finished every Zach. No, we haven't. What have we got left? We've got to find out what our word of the week actually means. Um, what was the word of the week? Superannuate. I bet all the listeners have forgotten all about this by now. <laughs> Thank you very much, listeners. If you have commented below what you think superannuate actually means, I am now going to reveal what superannuate means. Please do. To esteem, reckon, or admit a person into the number of those who ages entitles them to be eased in some service upon account of their great age and natural, at least supposed, inability. What the heck? I have absolutely that... no idea what that actually means. <laughs> that didn't explain it at all. <laughs> Not really. So what you're saying, Zach, or in a more simplistic term, you're talking about somebody of great age is being retired off. Yes. Super, superannuated. <laughs> yes, that does seem to be the case. <laughs> so, not a word that I've particularly used myself, but there we go. There you superannuated. Go. Superannuate. <laughs> it will come to me one day when I'm old and wizened. <laughs> okay, so that leads us into our Now We Know Show flashback. And for this Now We Know Show flashback, I would like to say that as of time of recording, the Now We Know Show podcast and the Zach Wild Productions YouTube channel has surpassed... 100 subscribers! Huzzah! Yay! Thank you very thank much, you so much to guys, everyone who has watched our content, listened, subscribed, liked, commented, whatever. Thank you very much. If you haven't subscribed, please go over there onto YouTube and subscribe for us, please. It makes all the difference. It costs you absolutely nothing. It makes all the difference to us. Also, our prepping podcast that was with Jack Harris has been received extraordinarily well. And we are looking to do more oh, yes. I'm in really future episodes. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting Jack back in the studio uh, for further prepping. Uh, I think I believe we possibly will be covering storage of food. Oh, is this a little food teaser? Stores. Little yeah. teaser. Food stores will be on the next one, which is what every prepper needs to needs to think about. There we go. That's been our podcast on Artemis One. It's been great. I've enjoyed myself. So have I. I've found out so much about space and, and I just space things. I just jabbered. <laughs> Oh, that's it's great listening to you. You have so much information. Sorry, I get so excited. But there we are. I'm enthusiastic on some things. Well, it could Maybe be so it could football. it could be worse. It could be like football, for instance, and you're not particularly enthused <laughs> oh, no. by it. No, no, I wouldn't be very good. I'd be good at asking questions and learning about football, but I have no uh, no understanding of football, to be honest. We'll just have to quiz Jack on football. Yeah, I think we need to get a football. Not fan. not Jack Harris. Jack. We'll just spin. Normal Jack. Jack, who's not in the studio today. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe to this channel and comment below any suggestions of topics or activities you'd like to listen to in future episodes. You can find the Now We Know Show podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. Check out the Zach Wild Productions social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or visit the Zach Wild Productions website at www.zachwildproductions.com. Please get in contact, we'd love to find out how you're listening to us. So get in touch in the comments and don't forget to check out Zach Wild Productions on Patreon to become an official ZWP patron today. That's a not quite superannuated goodbye from Buzz. <laughs> you just had to say it, didn't you? I do. And that's a big, spacey, Artemis one goodbye from Zach. Does that even make sense? I, I don't, don't know. Let's just launch into the Let's blast off, off to the moon! Till the next episode.